Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences video podcast. I am Heather Hoops Matthews here in the studio today with Maynard Nexon healthcare attorney, Matthew Roberts. Matthew, good to be with you again in 2024 now. Good to see you. Glad to be here. Thank you. And we are joined today by Dr. Julius Friedrichsen. He is a neuroscientist, professor, and the vice president of research at the University of South Carolina. Dr. Friedrichsen built his research portfolio over decades, studying post-stroke neuroscience, including communication disorders resulting from brain damage. Dr. Friedrichsen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Now, you've had an impressive career, and I just really touched on just the top of it, and you've had a lot of roles. Can you discuss a little bit, give us an overview of your background and then how you came to USC? Yeah, so my background is very much in neuroscience, so understanding how people recover from stroke, but more recently also understanding what are the effects of uh, dementia on the brain and how we help people deal with dementia as it progresses, diagnosing it better and treating it. I believe it or not, came to South Carolina in 2001, mainly because um, I thought USC uh, was a great university, but also because stroke, which was the number one topic that I was researching at the time, is so highly prevalent in South Carolina. So it gave me a great opportunity to have easy access to the types of research subjects that we needed. But over over the years, I've certainly grown to love this state and uh, as now as a vice president for research, I'm hoping that I can be a part of the solution of improving the, the health of the state. Well, we're certainly glad you're here because we know we have plenty of, uh, of examples of things you can study. Can you talk a little bit about your position as the vice president of research for the entire University of South Carolina, what the mission of your office is and what kind of projects you're supporting and working on? Yeah, so we do a wide, we have a wide range of research that we do, certainly starting with uh, with STEM, uh, that's a huge portfolio, but the largest portfolio that we have in research at the university is in health sciences. So that's very broad. We certainly start with the School of Medicine um, here in Columbia, uh, which is a small, relatively small School of Medicine, uh, but it punches way above its weight in research, in the, and that's mostly um, measured in research dollars that we get from the federal government. But beyond that, we have certainly pharmacy, school of public health, nursing, and even social work. In every one of these colleges, there's a lot of research happens and and much of it is related to and directly focused on health problems in South Carolina. You can take, I talked about dementia before. Uh, We also can talk about HIV, um, cardiovascular disease, infectious diseases, which probably has never been more important in our lifetime in the last few years. So we have a very wide portfolio uh, focusing on anything from very basic science into very applied science and, and, and trying to improve the lives of people. That's a, a, a big charter to oversee. This fall, in uh, fall of 2023, I saw you speak at SC Bio, and you gave a pretty comprehensive overview of some of the projects underway, including a new campus for USC. Could you talk about that and how that new campus might have the potential for future resources and opportunities? Absolutely. So our School of Medicine has been located here in Columbia on the VA campus for a long time. 
the new campus has been have sort of a long time coming. Um, we are now finally in the final throes of programming and designing this new health sciences campus with the first building being scheduled to open in 2027. This will be a building that will be over 300,000 square feet and will cost us over $300 million. This is by far the largest construction project that we've ever taken on at USC. Included there, we will have top-notch um, uh, facilities for teaching our medical students, our physicians, assistants, uh, et cetera. But also from, for, from my, my vantage point, what is very important is that we will have uh, state-of-the-art research facilities. That includes mostly wet labs, focused on anything from basic uh, uh, cell biology to immune immunology and related to that infectious diseases, also over to cardiovascular research and also neuroscience. Understanding how does the normal uh, body work and then translating that over into uh, into um, uh, clinical application. And then hopefully in collaboration with our uh, clinical partners, we can then translate those findings into uh, cures. Yeah, I can attest that it's, it's very exciting to hear about the new campus and the new opportunities that it will be created by, particularly in the life sciences, health sciences space. Um, you are also helping lead another exciting uh, initiative. It's the Brain Health Initiative just launched by the University of South Carolina. Can you talk about the mission behind the Brain Health Initiative and what its primary goals are? Because this is this is really going to be very transformational for the state. Yeah, I, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about it. This is something that is near and dear to my heart, uh, having been a, a researcher in neuroscience very much focused on stroke and dementia for a very long time. I realized very shortly after I came here that care for patients with neurological problems, especially acquired ones, is abysmal in rural areas of South Carolina. And when I came into the role as vice president for research, I simply was looking around for what are South Carolina, South Carolina problems that we can help solve. And so the Brain Health Network is a, is a concept that we came up with where we could have sort of a hub and a spoke model where we would have a brain health center in Columbia, but then we would have smaller clinics around the state specifically focused in rural areas where we know the need is great for diagnostic and treatment care for things like Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, chronic stroke. We are just within a couple of weeks of seeing our first patients. So this is an exciting time for us. The first three clinics are gonna that we are gonna be uh, putting online are in Sumter, um, one is gonna be in Seneca, and then one in Fairfield County. Um, we are also looking at other sites, certainly down in Salkahatchee, Orangeburg, uh, probably up around the Florence area and beyond that towards the Grand Strand. Mm -hmm. Those developments are not as far along, but the idea here is that folks will come into these clinics, will, which will be focused on primary care, but then they will get much more detailed and uh, higher quality diagnostic care to understand what might be going on as somebody is starting to experience, for example, cognitive decline. And so those patients, especially those with very difficult cases, then we'll be referred to our Brain Health Center in Columbia. 
And that is going to be housed in a, in a building, in a separate building, very much close to the, the Wall Street campus. And that's going to be our brain health center. We are just about to start the renovation of that center. That's an existing building. And in there, we're going to put state-of-the-art MRI scanners, a state-of-the-art neuro neurological clinic that will include neurology, certainly psychiatry, uh, clinical services from neurosurgery. That's all going to come together there so that those patients with very difficult cases can come there, spend maybe one day there, and have then know exactly what's going on and then have a treatment plan that they can then get, which uh, up to now is not available to people in rural South Carolina. Well, I'm from a rural area and I, I, um, I celebrate you for this because access is difficult, especially if you don't have transportation to get somewhere. And then if you obviously don't get the care you need, then that's, that's, Things are going to go downhill from there. I'm excited to know this Brain Health Center, though, is not not just uh, kind of a new thing for South Carolina. You are going to be one of a kind neuroimaging center in the southeast. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. So we were, we were very lucky to secure funding from the federal government for a high field um, MRI scanners. One is what we call a three Tesla MRI scanner. And that's just the strength of the magnet. There is a couple of those types of scanners in the state. Uh, what is new about this new three Tesla scanner that we're getting is that it has a much wider tunnel than what you would typically see in an MRI scanner. And that allows us to image the brains of people who are obese. That's always a problem when you're trying to do an MRI scan for somebody like that with our current MRI scanners. But also more exciting, even more exciting, is that we're going to be getting a seven Tesla MRI scanner, which will be the first one in the state. And probably only one of three that I know of in the Southeast wow. that is of this kind. And it's just been approved by the FDA for clinical scanning. And that allows us to look at the brain in microscopic detail and also improves our ability to diagnose neurological disorders. And not just in adults, but also in children, for example, that might, be, might have epilepsy. So this wow. will be a tool that is unprecedented and we're very excited about it. Can you talk, because it, the university is a, a research facility and one of the best in the state, can you talk about the opportunities that not only medical students but other research students will have um, to look at and be a part of the care of Alzheimer's and dementia patients through this specific initiative? Absolutely. So we are certainly look at looking at what we would call consider win-win situations for the university and the state. So we know that the neurological care is needed, but also for our students, this will provide access for our, certainly our medical students, our nursing students, even students in things like pharmacology, uh, our social work students to work hand in hand with clinicians on the ground. This will expand the network where we can uh, do this kind of work and those students can get involved so instead of them coming after their graduation, having to figure out on the fly how to work with older individuals, this can be a part of their training. This also opens up um, new kinds of research for our students that they'll be able to be involved in. And that is far ranging, anywhere from new treatments in pharmacology over to neuroimaging and understanding the brain and how it breaks down associated with dementia, and then also going into treatments 
So the effect is going to be great uh, for our students, all the way probably from undergraduate up to graduate and medical students. Like, the life sciences industry is one of the fastest growing industries in the state of South Carolina. And the research that the University of South Carolina and you are doing are, 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 is obviously groundbreaking. What kind of combination or partnerships are available with industry, life science industry, uh, other clinical providers, and the university as you go down the road toward the brain health uh, initiative and some of these, these, these important things that you're focusing on? So we have an office of economic engagement that we are that has done a good job for a long time in engaging with industry. We want to increase that, especially in the life sciences. Uh, we just started a new department of uh, biomedical engineering. The opportunities there to work with those faculty to do both the basic and applied research that is needed for new products in the life science industry is enormous. We have a concerted plan to try to increase that, certainly. But in addition to that, what I would really like to focus more on is, is uh, AI and so artificial intelligence with big data. I mean, if you're not getting into in the middle of that and you're in biomedical sciences of any kind, you're probably going to be missing out. I can tell you. I'm a neuroscientist. I've now been using AI probably for about seven years in my research. And we see that as being catapulting many different uh, sectors of the biomedical sciences forward. Certainly, if you're interested in genetics of any kind, you cannot survive without understanding how AI is affecting that field. Well, as a researcher, what are some of the the we know some of the opportunities for AI, but what are some of the points of concern or things that, that researchers should be more aware of and responsible with in terms of using AI as a means of, uh, of research in these areas? Sure. Certainly uh, data safety, because these mm -hmm. huge data sets are, I mean, this is the new, this is the new oil that is going to drive industry. So you've got to make sure that your data are safe, you got if you're working with uh, uh, if you're working with health data, you got to make absolutely certain that you protect the identity of the individuals whose data you're dealing with. That is absolutely crucial, and it's a baseline that everybody needs to start from. Um, we at the University of South Carolina certainly this is on our mind constantly. But if you're that is an area that when you that you want to get into, that's sort of where you start from. And then you go into certainly cybersecurity related to, you know, intellectual theft and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are things that definitely you have to think about that and prepare as you're engaged in the use of AI mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's certainly the hottest topic oh, yeah. globally, yeah. I think in healthcare and non-healthcare really. How to, yeah. How I mean, to it's, in, in the legal industry, we are wrestling with its use. Uh, how do we use it? How, you know, how do our clients use it? It's a, it's a major issue we're focused on day to day. So, mm -hmm. but it can be leveraged for great good if we do for it sure. correctly. Absolutely. Yes. It's such an interesting time because at the same time, we're all worried about how that's going to affect different areas of, uh, of different industries. At the same time, there's so much enthusiasm and potential. Yeah. So it's a great time to be around. Um, yes. Certainly before and after chat GPT, it's completely changed in the environment. In a year, it's completely changed. It, it literally in a year, 14 months worth of, of activity with chat GPT. You're exactly right. You know, a previous guest 
compared the introduction of AI to the introduction of the cell phone. Mm. And I thought, well, that's, that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. It has changed how we've used a computer, a cell phone has. And so AI will as well. Um, One final question for you. I'm going to kind of dip back to your intro where you said you came to South Carolina because you were studying stroke and we unfortunately had a high um, percentage here and that when you looked around in the rural area, services were abysmal. I think that was the word that you used, which is probably accurate. Definitely accurate. Um, Now you're really on the cusp of creating this network, this spoken network, and that you mentioned you wanted to create healthcare improvements. I don't know if cure is too strong of a word, but, you know, great improvements for, for citizens. What's your vision for this? Like, where do you see this brain health network going? And, and ideally, what would, what would you, how would you like it to operate? I would like to expand it into as many areas as possible where we know that individuals are underserved. And you can actually get those maps from the CDC to just look at where are the neurology deserts in South Carolina. Those are areas where we have to put, uh, put uh, plant the flag. And we want to do that in as many areas as possible. Of course, <clears throat> we, we, we will probably not completely solve the problem because we can't be everywhere at the same time, but I would like to see our, us expand as much as possible based on the funding that we have and to maximize the resources that we have to both improve care and also learn from it um, on the research front to improve then further um, our, our care delivery models, et cetera. Well, a little success will breed more success, I suspect, and hopefully that will attract more money, quite frankly. I'm sure it will. We hope so. Dr. Friedrichson, thank you so much for joining us today, and and we're thankful that you have stayed in South Carolina, currently in in your role as Vice President of Research at USC. Thank you so much. Press on, and we look forward to having you uh, back again to update us. I'd love to come back. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. For those of you who joined us today, we hope you enjoyed this conversation about the exciting work underway in South Carolina. And we look forward to seeing you next time right here on Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and video podcast.